Hi, CityCast listeners. It's Friday, and that's the day that we talk about the week's news. Today, we are focusing on the three biggest stories. Midterm elections, the shooting of rapper Takeoff, and the Astros in the World Series. I'm here with CityCast producer A.K. Al Moomin and with Scott Braddock. He's a political analyst for the Quorum Report and a co-host of the Houston Chronicle podcast, Texas Take. It is Friday, November 4th, 2022. I'm Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. Scott, we are deep into the midterm election now. Mm-hmm. In Harris County, early voting is just about over, and Election Day is on Tuesday. What are your thoughts based on what we've seen so far? Well, it would be nice if anybody in Texas cared enough to go vote. Uh, The early (laughs) vote numbers have not been impressive uh, all across the state. Uh, In Harris County, it looks kind of flat. In Dallas County, as of last uh, last couple of days, it was down, Mm -hmm. I think, uh, from four years ago, about fifty to 60,000 votes in Dallas County, which, of course, is a big Democratic area. Harris County, more of a battleground kind of area, I would say, not quite solidly Democratic just yet. And this election will prove that theory, figure out whether the you know, Republicans still have a shot uh, countywide in Harris County. All across the state, though, um, in places like Amarillo and in Lubbock, it's the same thing. Uh, early voting is way down. And I've been asking people what that's about. I mean, you, you have heard so much hype, right, about this election, that, that, that people would really be energized to vote for a variety of reasons. And you've talked about a lot of the issues that are important to people on this show, like abortion rights and gun violence and the electricity grid, et cetera, here in Texas. Um, but I do think that one of the things that's happening, unfortunately, and this is anecdotal, but as I talk to campaigns on the Republican and Democratic side, is that Mm -hmm. voters are so disgusted with how nasty politics is that their reaction to that is not to go vote to try to fix it. Their reaction is to be turned off by all of it and just be mad at everybody who's running for office and not vote for any of them. And I've heard this from uh, campaigns and from voters all over the state. It makes some sense, but it's very unfortunate. I, I understand why people feel that way, but that's not how you correct the problem. Is that likely to hit both parties with equal strength? Well, well, I, here's the here's the issue, and mm-hmm. this has always been true. Uh, when voter when voter turnout is low, that always helps Republicans. When voter turnout is high, that helps Democrats. And so, if you look at the kind of people who are not voting, and I'm looking at the actual uh, early voting data, um, it looks like the non college educated white guy is doing most of the voting in Texas right now. Women under 45 are not voting so far. Uh, young Ooh. people are not voting so far. Uh, and you know, I'm talking about you know people up to about 25 years old. I would say somewhat sarcastically, that at least they all went to the Harry Styles concert where he was endorsing Beto O'Rourke and the chicks were endorsing <laughs> Beto O'Rourke. I think young folks maybe just have not internalized that you know going to the concert where there is a political message or going to a rally where they hear a political message, that doesn't do the trick. You have to go vote. And I've covered these issues for many years. You've, you've seen the uh, efforts on voter suppression. That always has, as far as election results, some marginal impact. I don't think anybody's vote mm-hmm. should be suppressed, of course. Um, but when you have 17 million people registered to vote in Texas, and we may not hit even seven or eight million vote in this election, that voter bill they debated last year did not keep those millions of people from voting. That's a lot of people who just did not even try. Who didn't even get in their car and go. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Do you think that that like, message to action pipeline is feasible for young people? I mean, historically, young people, even around the country, haven't gone out to vote. Like, what, is there a method to kind of bridge message to action? 
Not sure. Um, you know, I think that the Democratic Party doesn't do itself a lot of favors when there is so much emphasis uh, on talking about uh, voter suppression efforts uh, in this state and in other places. Uh, and the, the reason I say that is it's not that they shouldn't say it, and it's not that they shouldn't fight those things in court, etc. But when you're constantly telling young people that something is hard, do you think that's going to get them to do it or to not do it? <laughs> that is true. Right. I had a, I had a, fr- I had a friend uh, who's a, I had a very liberal Democratic friend of mine, uh, you know, years ago who said that the message from Democrats ought to be to young people, no matter what their bigger environment is, the message to young people ought to be voting is fun, cool and easy. Go do it. Uh, but you never really hear that. Yeah. We did kind of hear that last time that Beto was running here in Harris County. You know, we had the late night voting, we had drive through mm-hmm. voting, we had bans at polling places. Well, in 2020, um, yeah. well, when he was running for, for president, but he was he was out of the race by then. Mm-hmm. Um, but in 2020, we had the uh, issue of the pandemic overlaid on the election, right? And so there were all these extra accommodations, like you're talking about, the overnight voting and the, uh, the uh, drive-through voting and all of that. And some of it uh, was done with the blessing of Republican leadership. Remember that uh, Governor Abbott approved three full weeks of early voting in 2020 mm-hmm. to g- give people some uh, assurance that they wouldn't be standing in long lines, cramped up against other people when the you know pandemic was a concern, but we've gone back to the usual of two weeks of early voting, which I do believe is sufficient to get to 10 million voters in Texas, uh, but the people actually have to get out and go do it. And so far, they're just not doing it. So I, this, this means, and you know that I don't make predictions in elections, but that does not bode well for the Democratic ticket statewide in Texas. At this point, I, again, no predictions. I would not be surprised if Beto O'Rourke loses by double digits next yeah. Tuesday. So for that, for the, for the idea that like Republicans benefit from, um, low voter turnout, mm-hmm. do you think these like extra precautions, like their report after report that's coming out about like the state and multiple like kind of reports and agents that are being sent to kind of combat this idea that there might mm-hmm. be election fraud and mm-hmm. this idea that there could potentially be election fraud hinting at all of the claims that were made during the 2020 election. Mm-hmm. Do you think that this is like a sound strategy for Republicans to kind of just bring the vote turnout down because people just don't trust the election? It's worked so far. Um, it was interesting that on the same day that I was first to report out that the attorney general's office and uh, the secretary of state's office was going to be sending these election monitors to Harris County, that yeah. same day, what Democrats mm-hmm. were doing in Harris County was having a rally with Lynn Manuel Miranda, which this is the way I framed it up. And some people were not happy with this, but uh, Democrats doing a feel good event, which they should do. They're trying to do a, you know, a get out the vote event. But at the yeah. same time, they're doing that. Republicans are doing things structurally within the system to try to ensure a result, which is what we see in those uh, elections bills, like the one that was passed last year and with what's happening with the attorney general's office as well. They're definitely hedging their bets in Harris County. And one other thing about Houston that's interesting in the Harris County judges race, it, as we've talked about here, Lisa and mm-hmm. AK, it has gotten so nasty, which of course, you mm-hmm. know, I love the oh, nastiness yeah. of it. It's like the, it's like the, it's the good stuff at the bottom of the gumbo. Uh, but the fact <laughs> is, the fact is that in that race for county judge, uh, Lena Hidalgo, the Democratic incumbent, is maybe going to be outspent by as much as about $10 million. I think she wow. uh, reported something like 
3.6 million uh, in mm-hmm. her uh, budget for her campaign. Uh, and Alex Mueller, the Republican, uh, probably once you add up the spending from Mueller's campaign, plus the third party groups, the allied organizations that are trying to help Mueller, they may spend as much as 13 or 15 million uh, trying to win that race. And as one Democratic strategist put it to me, it's look, uh, to your point, AK, about these monitors being sent to Harris County and how important the vote is in Houston. Um, if you really wanted to ensure a certain kind of a way that elections would be run in Houston, the office that you would try to win is that one. You would yeah. try to you would try to get the Harris County government under control, which it seems Republicans are willing to invest heavily to do. We'll see if they get there. I would still give the edge to Hidalgo just because of the numbers in Houston, but you know at the, the partisan yeah. numbers in Houston, but you know that that race, the county judges race, you have the third longest ballot in the United States in Harris County. And so when you're looking at the voting machine, it's more than a hundred screens that you have to go through to vote for all the different candidates. And the county judges race, I think is on screen 50 or 51 or 52. It's halfway through the ballot. So I wonder who's really going to show up to try to find that race and vote in it. Is it people who are there to support Hidalgo and back her up? Or is it people who are listening to the Republican message and saying, hey, we've got to throw her out? That That's the big, big key question in Houston. Yeah. That gave me a muscle cramp. Just the idea of standing there for a hundred so pages. <laughs> Good luck. My yeah. ballot in Travis County is nothing like that. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm packing a lunch. <laughs> but I am really worried what's going to happen on election day. Um, the Harris County, the new guy who's like running our elections has already warned, look, we're not going to have results until definitely after midnight and very likely not even after that. But giving the like wreckage that our election was during the primary, Mm -hmm. I'm really worried that things can go wrong. And it's very clear that, you know, the attorney general is going to seize upon anything that he can find. You know, there are reports out that they may be going after volunteers who make tiny slip ups. Mm -hmm. You know, in Houston, it, it's, you know, you point to the primary, but it is nothing new to have election results take forever in Houston. Uh, we've been covering that for for more than a decade, for sure. I go back to the Republican mm-hmm. uh, county clerk, uh, Stan Stannard, who was there. It would always take a long time for his office to report all the results. Same thing with the elections administrators under Lena Hidalgo. Um, and uh, look, I think you know, for Democrats, one thing that they have got to keep in mind is that that, that they want to tell people, look, it's important to get it right, not necessarily to get it fast. I mean, the idea that we get election results in real time um, is really a media creation. I mean, if you watch on election night with CNN, Fox, MSNBC, they've got some guy standing in front of the map and showing you how people are doing in different areas, different counties. And it's always kind of frustrating to me that they would say, and polls have already closed when they'll say something like, well, you know, this person would have to get this many more votes in this area to be able to still be competitive. Well, all that's over with. They're just counting votes now. That, That person doesn't have to do anything. It's kind of weird, yeah. Uh, but but the fact is that that's a media creation that we all want to have these. That there's nothing in a, in the Constitution that says that those results have to be out on the same day. Um, and my proposal for those folks who have been the stop the steal types, the folks who insist that the election was stolen in 2020, my proposal would be, and they just won't take this seriously, and I don't know why. But I would say, look, why don't we have an election day? And then when all the election results are final and complete and we've got it done, we have a results day. And that might be three days later. It might be five <laughs> days later. It's, but it's whenever we know that it's all, that it's all yeah. right. And you could set, you could set a time frame for it. You could, you could put it in a statute and say it has to be within 
15 days or whatever. Uh, so that doesn't, it doesn't go on forever, but, uh, but Hey, if you want to get it right, sometimes that takes time, just like good brisket. <laughs> that's true. That's, that's yeah. True. All right. Let's switch topics now. Um, Okay, I know you've been following the shooting of Takeoff, a member yeah. of the Atlanta rap trio Migos here in downtown Houston. What do we know so far? So we reported on the events of the shooting that happened on Tuesday at the bowling alley. It was We know for a fact that it was a private party. We know that the shooting occurred around 2.30 and that it probably was from police reports, someone who was already in a part of the party. It was an invitee, a guest of the party. Uh, but it seems like with 40 people being around and now TMZ has released a video that shows that there was an argument going on while Quavo, uh, with Quavo and someone else. So Quavo is another member. Yeah. The other member yeah. of, and actually, uh, uh takeoff's uncle. Uh, so mm -hmm. they're related by blood. Um, uh, that during that argument, some gunshots were heard. And then you can see in the video, a bunch of people fleeing, uh, while the recordings, while the recording is still going, um, it's kind of a very tragic and scary video to be honest, from an emotional standpoint. Um, still, we have not gotten a statement, a public statement from the family of takeoff. Mm -hmm. Um, so I assume they're mourning in private at this point. Um, but yeah, he was 28 years old. Uh, mm. He had just come out with a brand new album that is, in my opinion, phenomenal. It's a great yeah. album, uh, mm -hmm. very grounded in Atlanta, the Atlanta sound, very nostalgic of the Atlanta sound, shows off Takeoff's ability, which has been lauded for many years, but not really able to be showcased really well. Um, I saw a video of him recently on the podcast Drink Champs uh, a few weeks before this party, and he was talking about his legacy, and he was he was basically discussing the idea that he deserves to get his flowers. Mm. Literally, this is the anniversary week of his debut album. Like the ironic tragedies concerning the story are really um, a bummer, to be honest. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, on a different scale, it has become this talking point for violence in Houston. Um, that's a major part of the conversation that somehow uh, this is crime under Le the rising crime under Lena Hidalgo, even though every report that released the shooting had to actually add a fact checking addendum to say vi uh, like violent crime across all categories, gun violence, rape, uh, Every category has gone down in the past year. Uh, and I even have this quote from Mayor Turner, uh, who said, people are no longer resolving their dispute or their arguments through a fistfight. Now everyone has access to guns. And so when there's a disagreement, people pull guns and they start shooting. Their future is cut off and family members and friends are left to mourn. So it's just, there's a lot of this messaging around like gun violence and gang violence, which mm -hmm. again, plays into Abbott's whole um, wider message across the state. Well, Republicans in general, not just the governor, are yeah. talking about yeah. violence because that mm -hmm. and the economy are really working as issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, last up, we get to talk about the World Series. Um, we are recording on Thursday. So we don't yet know the outcome of game five, but 
it's clear that the Astros will be returning to Minute Maid Field for Game 6 on Saturday. And, oh my God, did the two of you see Game 4? Mm-hmm. So good. It was so yeah. good. I was watching the highlights while finishing up some work, and that no-hitter was gorgeous. It, that team floats so well together. Uh, I loved it. It was it was so good, especially coming back from the 07 loss, like to shut down a whole, an entire staff of the Philly. The entire staff of the Phillies is incredible. Now, only the second time in a World Series that that's happened, right? That they had a yeah. that they had a, a no hitter. Um, it, it had exactly what Houston needed. Backs mm-hmm. against the wall, and you know there is this thing, and AK has talked about it a lot where you've got to prove to all these other folks all around the country uh, that what happened in 2017 doesn't define the entirety of the franchise, right? That, that, oh, you know, here they come with their uh, memes on Twitter with the trash cans and all of that, um, that you don't get to go to how many ALCSs at this point to six, you know, over the last decade uh, without being just a phenomenal team. And I saw where uh, it was said on NPR uh, going into the series, what makes the Houston Astros so great? Uh, And the analysis from the sports reporter that they were talking to on NPR said, look, it's because the Astros are complete. It's a complete team, right? Mm -hmm. How? It's that any one of their great players can either be you know lost for the day because maybe they got an injury or maybe they're just not performing that well. Um, and it doesn't seem to matter. The rest of the team can always step in. And he said, that's because the Astros have a great since 2017. And before that have had this amazing system of being able to replenish their talent roster with people who are just amazing. You can lose, uh, you know, folks who were there uh, who were the big breakout stars. Correa, and it doesn't Springer. matter. Right. And it doesn't matter because here comes Pena and whoever else. Right. And and Alvarez. And that's and that's just the way that this team just the way this team works uh, is it continues to replenish itself. And if we can get through this series, you know, as they say in the movie Moneyball, if you don't win the last game of the series, it doesn't matter. And I think for the for the Houston Astros, who, by the way, that system is based on you may know this is based on that system that they were uh, covering in the movie Moneyball. Uh, yep. When the Oakland uh, A, when the Oakland A's, you know, uh, you know, did what they did and kind of, in some ways, helped to redefine the way baseball works. Um, Sabermetrics and analytics. The that's correct. System? Yeah, that's right. And not not trying to not trying to sign up every person who's already a star and pay them millions and millions of dollars. Instead, finding the new people, right? Who are those? Yeah. Who are those? Going to be those great prospects? Um, and I think and finding what the, their specialties are. What yeah, are the things it, they're really good at? The way it's said in that movie is if you don't win that last game, then it doesn't matter. But mm-hmm. if you do win the last game, you will have changed the game. And I think the thing that's been hanging over the Astros' head is that I think they already, in a lot of ways, have redefined the game. But people mm-hmm. still put that asterisk there when I don't think that they should. Because, by the way, all of baseball is an asterisk. I mean, most a lot of these guys were on steroids yeah. before they figured that out and started exactly. you know, being a big problem for the league. <laughs> um, but, but the fact is, yeah. if they can win this World Series... That will put the, that that should shut up a lot of these haters. But as you know, mm-hmm. some of the haters will just be around forever, and that's fine. We can take it. Yeah, yeah. I do want to make a technical criticism of the Astros. They have yeah. they've always had this habit for the last two years of falling very hard in a game when they are not like dominating right off the bat, and mm-hmm. they think that they can make a comeback by the end because our relief staff is so good. Uh, and when they don't accomplish it, they fall into such a deficit. 
that yeah. it's not a recognizable team anymore. And I feel mm. like making these adjustments, because if you get to a game seven mm. and then it's hinging on that one game and right. you fall early, it's it's a problem when I don't when we don't have faith that you can make the comeback, even though you think you can make the comeback. Oh, right? it's a, it's it's attitudinal, right? I mean, in game yeah. three when they just couldn't get anything done, right? And and then in and in the beginning of uh, this this last game is that I was thinking that the Astros have you've heard this term they had the yips. Yeah. yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. It's, it's, oh, they're second. They're second guessing themselves. It's oh, everything. Everything's hanging on this one moment in the game, and you you gotta you gotta power past that. You there mm-hmm. there is something to believing you can do it. Um, it's like what, what was written in uh, Alice in Wonderland, right? It, it, it's that you know you yeah. have to believe several unbelievable things before you know before breakfast, right? <laughs> okay. You need that arrogance. And the last the last thing that Alice you know that Alice believed. You know, that the cat could talk and she could, you know, she believed that there's a potion that could make you tiny. The last thing that Alice believed was that she could kill the Jabberwocky. And then she did. Yeah. And then she yeah. did. Yep. Go Astros. All right, y'all. Yeah. Thank you. This has been great. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks, Lisa. That was A.K. Al Mulman and Scott Braddock. That is all for our show today. Our content director is Will Fulton. Dina Kespa, our lead producer, is away on parental leave. Carleon Jones and A.K. Almuman are our producers. Brooke Lewis edits our newsletter, Hey Houston. We've had help this week from roving producer Lizzie Goldsmith. Our theme music is by Farrell Gibbs and his band All the Kimonos. And I am your host, Lisa Gray. We will be back on Monday. Talk with you then. I didn't get to do my rap thing. Oh, I know. We didn't, didn't, ask, rap you didn't ask me about it. We didn't you didn't ask me about it. I'm so sorry. Oh, I I'm thought so sorry. sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs>